Well, I want to begin uh, this morning with a question, with a fill-in-the-blank question, okay? And this is where um, we miss Diana because she would be the first one to belt out here, okay? So you fill in the blank. You don't have to fill in the blank with the words of a popular holiday song, but fill in the blank uh, to this sentence. It's the most blank of the year, okay? Wonderful, thank you. The most wonderful, that is the holiday themes, fill it in for your context. What, uh, if it's not the most wonderful time of the year, what is it? It's the most one blank time of year. And I didn't say blankety blank, okay? I said most blank time of the year. Stressful, Stressful. thank you. Others, what? Expensive, I have that one written down, thank you. Definitely so. Others, stressful, expensive. Over here, someone. I can't hear you. Cold, okay. Cold, that works. Excellent. Other things? Busy, thank you. I don't know who said that over there, but definitely have, have that one written down. Stressful, expensive, busy, uh, wonderful, exciting, but also stressful, but also busy, but also expensive. It's a season. This Christmas season, it's a season often associated with overspending, overeating, and overscheduling ourselves. We can get uh, wound up in stress like a, like a tangled uh, string of Christmas lights, all wound up and stressed and tight and too busy to be still and too frazzled to focus and too loud to listen in the season that is the Advent or Christmas. And sometimes, for many of us, it has far less uh, to do with uh, the picture of a Norman Rockwell Christmas painting or our, our, the Christmas scene just doesn't feel like you're sitting by the fireplace with a hot cup of cocoa and uh, a crackling fire and Michael Buble in the background singing Christmas carols. It just doesn't go like that. Sometimes, does it? In fact, one author has said this, uh, and I'll let you decide who said this quote and when it was written. But uh, Eric, if you would put that slide up there. Uh, by December, okay, here it is. Long before December 25th, everyone is worn out, physically worn out by weeks of daily struggle in overcrowded shops, mentally worn out by the effort to remember all the right recipients and to think out suitable gifts for them. They are in no trim. They are in no trim for merrymaking. They look far more as if they had been in a long illness in the house. Does that describe some, sometimes some of your feelings about the Christmas season? Guess when that was written and who wrote those words. I know someone knows who it is. It was about 60 years ago at least, and it was by a guy named C.S. Lewis. Man, if it was busy, if it was stressful then, has it not gotten... Worse today, stress, busyness, frantic frenzy. Today, uh, my family and I, we are going, we're actually leaving on vacation uh, after church today, probably about two o'clock. We were here for Thanksgiving, but we are going on vacation this afternoon. We're going to leave about two o'clock or so. And you know what that means as we leave for vacation? That means at about 1.30, everybody's going to be mad, Right? And we're going to get in the car, and we're going to be frazzled, and she doesn't pack like the same way that I pack, and she doesn't put things in the car the way I put things in the car, and she doesn't read the map correctly, right? 
Uh, so we're going to begin this vacation, uh, as we always do, driving out of the driveway, tense, right? Pray for us. That's why, she, that's why she's not here this morning. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know what is on your Christmas list this year. I don't know if you've already made one. I don't know if your kids have already handed you one or sent you a link to an Amazon account and say, here's the things that I want. I don't know what's on your Christmas list, but I know what the author of Proverbs would like for us to be on our Christmas list. And I'm, I'm, I'm calling on Proverbs 8.11 here, which says this. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared unto her. I love that verse. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared unto her. What is the author saying? He's saying that wisdom is better than money. That what you need for Christmas, what you need in life, is maybe not a new phone or maybe the newest gadget or... Uh, something, a tool for your garage, but what we all need in this season and all through life, and particularly in this season, is we need some wisdom because wisdom is better than stuff. Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared unto her. In this four-week Advent season, we want to look at some wisdom from the book of Proverbs to frame our minds about Advent. And I'm using the word Advent here, and I'm kind of, I'm not trying to be overly strict about this, but I'll use the word Advent in this series to talk about the coming of Jesus, okay? Advent is, the, is from a Latin word, which means coming. So the Advent of Jesus is the coming of Jesus. There's a first coming of Jesus, the first Advent, and we expect Jesus to come again in his second Advent. And I'm contrasting the word Advent with Christmas, and I'm using the word Christmas, at least in this context, to synonymously with the, the tinsel and the trappings and the traditional celebrations that we all tend to get wrapped up in and, and that tend to also cause us that stress or that frantic frenzy, okay? Sometimes Christmas, the celebration and the traditions, can overpower or distract us from the Advent, Right? Or what is commonly said, don't take the Christ out of Christmas, right? The Advent. And we want to look uh, in this season at some words of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, believe it or not, that I think will frame a, kind of a right expectation and a, and, a, and a better mentality as we go through this Advent season, okay? In the first place, I want us to look, as we look this morning, at the theme of biblical hope that we uh, heard, read to us by the Arnolds earlier, that in the first week of Advent, we typically talk about this idea of the hope of Jesus and the hope of the Advent, not only his first coming, but also his second coming. So join me in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 13. We'll start there. We're going to jump around. But Proverbs 14, 13 says this, Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. Let me read that again. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. What is the author Solomon there trying to tell us? If you had to put that proverb in a contemporary setting, perhaps a setting that you'll be a part of over the next few weeks, how would you place that proverb 
in the setting that's real life. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. See, I don't know about you, but this is the season of merriment. This is the season of joy and love, right? And, and gatherings and family celebrations. But we all know that you can be at a, at a family celebration or you can be at a Christmas party, but your heart be aching, right? You can, you can go to the in-law's home and you can smile and put on a nice, you know, fake smile. You've got your nice sweater on and all the kids have, have been a disaster driving over to the house. But you get there and it's time for pictures. Everybody smile and put on a face, right? But meanwhile, in the Advent season, in the Christmas season, hearts are aching. And this week, our hearts ache again. One, because of our dear sister, who in this season lays in a hospital bed. But I found that every Advent season of recent, this has been a reality. Last Advent season, uh, the trial, the tragedy that struck us was the Paris attacks, if you've forgotten, 2015. Right at the begin Thanksgiving time, the beginning of the Advent season. A couple years ago before that, it was the Newtown, Pennsylvania tragedy school shooting. We can, we can go into this season of merriment with heartaches, deep heartaches. And I know that many of you are, are, are carrying, are bearing some heartache this morning as we are. Now, there's a couple of responses to this. One response, okay, is to be, hey, enough with the, you know, Debbie Downer, uh, Grinch, the Scrooge. Why are, you, why are you talking about such heavy things? It's Christmas. It's the time of merriment festivities and parties, don't bring it all down with this talk of trials and tribulation. And that's one, that's one way to think about it. That's one response to the trials and tragedies. But I want to offer this morning that it's, it's not uh, a realistic way. It's not the right way to think about it. In fact, what I would like to offer to you this morning is that in times of trials and tragedy is when we most need the advent is it when we most need the hope of the coming of Jesus as a baby and, and, and someday soon, hopefully, as the coming king? It's in times of trials. It's when you're in a hospital room that you most need the advent, the hope of Jesus, more so than in your living room. The hope of a kingdom to come, the hope of the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who will return and make all broken things right. That's the hope of Advent. And it makes sense. I think it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that brings hope into a hospital room in the midst of Advent. had a favorite professor in seminary. Uh, as a history professor, and he, he would often say, or he said at least once, it really impacted me. He said, uh, you know, there's a lot of TV preachers today. You turn on the TV, you can hear a lot of TV preachers. And the basic goal of most TV preachers today is to help you live well, to help you have your best life now, to live well. And Dr. Hannah would say this, the reality is what we ought to be as ministers, as, as, as preachers of the gospel, our main objective should not be to help people live well, although that's a fine thing. Our main objective as believers and as, as preachers of the gospel is to help people suffer well and to die well. My main job is to help us 
to be ready and equipped to suffer well and to die well. Life is going to be hard. Tragedies are going to come in Advent season or any other season throughout the year. But if your faith or if your religion doesn't bring hope in a hospital room, I would submit to you that it's a pretty worthless religion. But the hope of Advent, Christmas, the coming of Jesus is the solution to the trials and tragedy. It's the only hope that we have. The coming of Jesus, the truth of the gospel is either the hope of the world or it's the greatest hoax the world has ever heard of. That this Savior would become human, would bear our pain, would see the brokenness, would pay for our sins upon the cross and promise that he would come again and bring that new heavens and new earth, bring that kingdom to bear here. That's the only hope I know of in times of trials, in a sad Advent season. Flip with me to Proverbs 11, chapter 4. I mean, Proverbs 11, verse 4. Proverbs 11, 4 says this, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The first part of that, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. What is, what is the author saying here? It doesn't matter how much money you have when wrath comes, or you might say when calamity comes. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If you are on your back in a hospital, you might be able to get some better doctors, but all the money in the world will not release you from suffering and pain that may come your way. You can't buy your way out of suffering in this life. Riches do not profit in the day of calamity. You can't, fe- you can't fix every situation with money. We'll... Uh, We'll go on vacation. We'll have a great time. We're going to go skiing. But what, what happens when all of us come back from vacation? What's the response? Man, I just need two more days, right? Just two more days at the beach, two more days on the slopes, and then that would be enough. But it's not, is it? Because riches do not profit. Riches and money and anything on your Amazon wish list this Christmas season will not give you the hope and satisfaction that you hope it will. It just won't. Riches will not profit. Riches will not fulfill us. Our great hope is not in a great sale or in a great meal or in anything under the tree. Our only hope is in the God who has come to us and is coming again for us. That's our only hope. Proverbs 27.20, flip with me to Proverbs 27.20, says this, Sheol and Abaddon, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Sheol is a fancy Old Testament word for death or hell, and Abaddon is, is a word for wrath again or calamity, and what the author here is saying is personifying death. Death is never satisfied. Death is never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. What we want will never be enough. What we want this Christmas will not tide us over to next Christmas, believe it or not. There'll be more wants. There'll be more desires. 
We had a wonderful spread. We were invited over to Thanksgiving meal uh, this week, and it was awesome. It was a huge table, and it was packed full. There was not a, a space on the table for anything else, and it was tons of food, more, more food than we needed, and it was delicious, and there were these baked beans or green beans that had bacon on them and some caramelized brown sugar and then mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and all this stuff. And I just just gorded myself, just stuffed myself with just, just festively gluttonous and didn't eat the rest of the night. It was awesome. But guess what happened the next day? I got hungry again. Because the best of meals the best of jobs, all the money in the world will never satisfy a heart that was made for eternity. The author of Ecclesiastes says, eternity was written on our hearts. And we won't be satisfied until our hearts are eternally satisfied in the kingdom of God with our Savior Jesus. Nothing under the tree, no meal, no gift could possibly satisfy us or give us real, true hope in our living room or in the hospital room. Proverbs 10, 28. Proverbs 10, 28 says this, the hope of the righteous brings joy. You know, often we think about the Advent season or Christmas season, what we, the, the words that typically accompany Christmas season is joy and love, right? And hope usually kind of gets the short stick. But what this passage in Proverbs is saying is that the hope of the righteous brings joy. Because you have this certain hope in Jesus who is coming again and will heal our broken bodies and will heal relationships and will put the world right, the hope that we have brings joy even in trials, even in an advent of sadness. If we have this hope, this expectation, this anticipation of what God has promised us, we can have joy, true joy, lasting joy, eternal joy because of the hope of Jesus. And again, if you don't have Jesus, I don't know where you get hope. If you don't have Jesus, you just have hurt. But if you have Jesus, you have hope in your hurt. You're going to have hurt. The question is, will you have hope in your hurt? And the only place I know to find it is in Jesus. Amen. He's come and he's coming again. That's good news at Christmas. What should we do in light of this? Let me offer a couple things in light of this. First of all, suggestion, in light of the hope of Jesus coming and the wisdom that is here in Proverbs, I offer two suggestions. Number one is lower your expectations and raise your expectations at the same time. Lower your expectations in the things that are on your list. Kids, and the things that, that you hope will be under the tree this Christmas, lower your expectations. They won't. They'll, be, they'll end up in a trash can or in a garage sale someday. They won't last. Lower your expectations, but raise your expectations at the same time. 
Because as C.S. Lewis has said, it's not that our hearts are too small or that, that our hearts are too big. It's that our hearts are too small. The greatest desire we have will be met one day in the kingdom that is to come. Our expectations can be high, not for what's under the tree, but for what's coming in God's kingdom to come. Lower your expectations and raise your expectations at the same time. And and secondly, just an admonition uh, to take Jesus and to take Advent into the hard places of life. The tendency is, don't think about that. This is, this is merriment. This is parties. This is Christmas time. Don't think about the bad. And I just, again, emphasize to you that Advent makes the most sense in pain and trials and tragedy because the coming of Jesus gives us hope. So take Advent. Don't avoid the hard things, but enter those situations this Advent season with the hope of Advent. It's because he's come that we have hope. I wanna close in the New Testament in Romans 8. Uh, These will be familiar verses to many of you. Romans 8, chapter 22. I mean, Romans 8, verse 22, excuse me again. Romans 8, 22 through 25. And Paul talks about this hope uh, with these words. Beginning of verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The whole creation, the created order, earth, the skies, the animals, all of it groaning together in the pains of childbirth. Verse 23, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Again, verse 23, who, who is he talking about in verse 23? He's talking about you and me. He's talking about everyone who has Jesus as their Savior, everyone who has the down payment or the first fruits of the Spirit living in us. You don't get the Holy Spirit. You don't get saved, and then life is just this trajectory to glory. Pain comes and groaning continues because you were made for something else. Even those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we await something better. The advent. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We groan and we wait for the coming of Jesus again. Let me quote one other author, and then I'll pray and close this. Advent reminds us that we are still, that we too are still waiting. Even on this side of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, there is brokenness in our world that no cart full of Black Friday bargains can fix. There's a hunger in our souls that no plate full of pumpkin custard can fill. There's twistedness in our hearts that no human relationship can heal. The whole creation, the Apostle Paul declared, has been groaning together for redemption. Let's pray. Father God, we, again, we just come to you and we confess the brokenness that's in our hearts this morning, the ache that's in our heart for things that aren't right, for things that are damaged, for things that are broken. 
and the heartache that we experience with our dear sister this morning and others who have endured such pain and loss over the last weeks. But Father, we come to you this morning in the midst of pain, in the midst of trials, so thankful that we have hope, that we grieve, but we grieve with hope. So Father, help us in this season to take that hope, not to fake a smile or to grin our teeth and bear it, but to have that hope and to share that hope with others who don't know it. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming to this earth, for experiencing our pain. And Jesus, we look forward with such anticipation as we await your coming again. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.